Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Food Between Friends by Jesse Tyler Ferguson and Julie Tannis. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How are you? Uh, it's a breezy Sunday. It's lovely. We here have, in Chicago. We have all the windows open. As we should. Which is crazy because it's like the first day in August. Yeah. And we're having this lovely temperate spring-like weather. Not a hot August night like Neil Diamond <laughs> said. All right. <laughs> Welcome to episode 45 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. We are approaching our one year anniversary for this. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Happy anniversary. You do anything special? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see how you are. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't really planned. Are yeah. you going to do anything special? I'm going to go out for a, for a celebratory meal. Okay. You're invited. Oh, well, great. Yeah. Thank, thanks for that. We'll we'll do a shot on the air. We'll do a shot of Malort on the air. That means we have to go buy some Malort. Yeah. And we well, don't want to do that. Uh, before we jump into this wonderful book, let's get a few housekeeping things out of the way. If you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, and click the store tab, that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And if you make a purchase from uh, either the Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks list or our favorite cookbooks, uh, you'll get something that you want. Uh, It won't cost you a penny more. We'll get a little something um, in return from Amazon. And it's a way that you can support uh, what we're doing here. And uh, everyone who's done that, we really appreciate it. Want to talk a little bit about uh, what we're currently working on? Uh, yeah, I think tonight is the final recipe from this book, correct? You are correct, Yeah, ma'am. so um, all week we've been working on Dada Eats by Sama Dada, and it's a vegan cookbook. We've actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is great. All the, all the recipes have turned out tasting just great. And I'm excited to share with, with mm-hmm. everyone, but... Um, yeah, especially this time of year, it's great to be able to just lean into the plant-powered meals. Well, and absolutely, and it like it it's so noticeable on your grocery bill too. It's meat is so and on my waistline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always watching that figure. Yep. <laughs> gotta gotta have my beach bikini body ready. Your body is always. Beach <laughs> body. I have a four pack, maybe a three pack. Something like that. All right. Um, what's for dinner tonight? tonight? Most importantly. Well, here's the thing. We are doing... Sometimes we like to just make a big old plate of stuff. So what we're doing is we're making a pesto hummus from the book. And then basically we're just going to have a big like platter of crudite. Just tons of fresh vegetables. Um, I think it's crudites. Crudites. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, a little bit of bread, some crackers, just... Fun finger foods. Yep. It's going to be lovely. And I am going to stuff my ever-loving face. You're going to eat your weight in vegetables. I'm going to stuff my maw. All right. (laughs) Um, 
This is kind of related to the cookbook that we're featuring this week. Uh, we put this topic out to our listeners, Favorite Celebrity Cookbook. And uh, you might recall from the previous episode, we, we asked about Favorite Celebrity Chef. So in my mind, I was kind of thinking that this would be cookbooks from people who are not chefs. So, you know, celebrities, like the title implies. Um, yeah, maybe we, got- we should have been more clear no i think everyone got it i mean there was a few people where i was like oh you know that person's also a chef but you know they're a celebrity so i'll I'll take it i mean i think it still qualifies well and Um, also some of these people are bigger celebrities over the pond than they are here yes so but we we got some good suggestions um you want to start yes did i really just say over the pond you did i'm such an asshole (laughs) (laughs) okay um the first one by Mimi M is I Like You by Amy Sedaris. And I know of it, but I've, I've not looked through it. I've never cooked from it, but I have like looked through it. It's it's adorable, like, yeah. like Amy is. And it's chock load with um, fun tips, and she's super is funny. It, is it also kind of like it's not like only cooking? Yeah, I was going to say, it's, that seems like it would be more in her wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay. So, and then uh, at Journey Wilson twenty one said Magnolia Table, probably one of the biggest selling cookbooks of all time. Yes, I mean it leaves all others in the dust. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's by well, I mean if you don't know who it's by, it's by Joanna Gaines. Yeah, I've never seen a single like uh, show. Like I don't even know how they got popular. They're, they're like. They've got quite the brand. They're like home and garden people. Chip Gaines is her husband. Yeah. Yeah. But they were from uh, HGTV, yes? Yeah, okay. I believe so. All right. I mean, I've I've paged through the book. It seems solidly reliable. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to like set the world on fire with anything like outside the box, but that's probably not what most people are looking yeah. for so i i totally understand millions it's, it's of millions of people appeal. are not looking for that yeah I no I, I i i'm not hating on no, it no i um, i haven't cooked them. I kudos actually, to them i would love to have that magnolia money oh my god are you coming me? in so right. good for them um you want to do the next one yeah uh chag 315 said I am uh, cooking from Aisha Curry's new book. Oh, she's so lovely. Um, and really enjoying it. Uh, and the title is called The Full Plate. Yeah, she has another one from a few years back, from 2016, that is also quite popular. So um, kind of made that transition to, you know, legit cookbook author. Yeah. Um, at writer Rhiannon said, uh, Trisha Yearwood's Georgia Cooking in an Oklahoma Kitchen. Not familiar. Mm-mm. I had no idea she had a cookbook. Out. Yeah. I think she has a new one coming, coming out, out too because we were sent a little press kit mm-hmm. from the publisher uh, announcing that. So there you go. Um, Let's see. Um, the Spaghetti Podcast said, I've never fully read a celebrity cookbook, but I'd be excited for Gordon Ramsay's cookbook. And I think on the previous episode, they were the ones that said Gordon Ramsay was their favorite celebrity chef. Yeah. Maybe maybe the spaghetti podcast is just a pseudonym for like, you know, like a, a Is that Gordon Ramsay's PR account. people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is it with your uh love of Gordon Ramsay for crying out loud? Um and then uh Gianna Di Giovanni said uh Odalenghi's simple. So that's an example where I I kind of consider him like a chef. 
Um, I don't know what his background or training is, but he's most certainly a celebrity and yeah. also one of the most successful cookbook authors, um, among other things, mm-hmm. in his uh, empire. But yeah, I mean, agreed. Um, let's see. Mike B said, I've never heard of this person either. Child actress Anissa Jones has a cookbook from 1969 or 1970. Excellent, easy recipes. So I did some research on this because okay. I, I had not heard of her either. I mean, I was born in 71, so this was before my time. Um, she played Buffy on a TV show called Family Affair. That was quite popular in the okay. late 60s. Okay. And she died of an overdose at age 18. Oh. Sorry. That, I was kind of laughing as I said that, and I didn't mean that. That's kind of insensitive. Yeah. Um, you, you dick. My apologies <laughs> to the Jones family. And then uh, there were two cookbooks that came out, Family Affair Cookbook and then uh, Buffy's Cookbook that had a young Anissa Jones on the cover, and, and she was like rolling out something with a rolling pin or something hmm. but i don't think it was actually like written by her but i'm obviously. sure it was it was just like a way for them to cash in on on the brand and, and her fame at the time and so it was like written by someone else but it I, anyway it was kind of interesting that one came out in like 1971 so okay. um yeah good to know yeah all right what are, what are your picks so i went back in our feed and i i tried to find a few that would fall into this category that we've actually featured. Mm-hmm. So I, I found a few. Um, I was a big fan of Trio's Tacos. Okay. Danny Trio. Um, I mean, it's solidly reliable Mexican food. It was, it was, I didn't think there was anything in that book that was like. Holy cow. Yeah. Right. No, but, I, but really good. Well-tested mm-hmm. recipes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love Danny Trio. So <laughs> I, th- I think that fits the bill. Um, Tangy Tart Hot and Sweet yes. by Padma Lakshmi, mm-hmm. which is, uh, we've had that cookbook forever. We've talked about it at length um, in previous episodes. Um, Anthony in the Kitchen mm-hmm. from Anthony Porosky from uh, Queer Eye fame. That was a favorite of ours that we featured. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I would give a, a mention to this one that we'll be talking about uh, shortly, The Food Between Friends. Okay. I thought it was great. Um Pretty much I have all those, but also uh, Milk Street Tuesday Night by Christopher Kimball. You know, I had considered that because... But is he really a celebrity? I mean, he was doing like food TV, he, like that America's Test Kitchen He falls stuff. into that category that I also placed Alton Brown in where they're not... I mean, but Alton Brown has actually went to culinary school, yeah. but... I don't think they've ever held the job as chef, but they've been in the food orbit yeah. for so long mm-hmm. that they're definitely like an authority on the subject. So, Agreed. and they're certainly a celebrity. So, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good ones. Um, I wanted to give a few honorable mentions. Now, these are not ones that I'm familiar with, but they exist. They're out there in the world. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Uh don't fill up on the antipasta by Tony Danza. Okay, you cannot do this because. Yeah. Okay, now you're just naming off celebrity cookbooks, like. But they they're out there in the world. They exist. But why are they getting an honorable mention? Well, maybe honorable mention is not the right term, but like I just want people to know that in the realm of celebrity cookbooks, if you're looking for like the weird. And odd, these ones are out there. Okay, well, then that's how you should preface okay. it. 
because I like when you say honorable mention. You're I'm, taking this topic way too seriously. <laughs> but like Ms. when you Ms. say Ms. honor, this is this is like how we get into our humans. <laughs> when I say honorable mention, like I'm to giving me, them a participation like a award. There you go. All right. There, perfect. Cooking okay. with Coolio. Yes. From Crook to Cook by Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Dog, yep, yep, I saw that one. Uh, this one I just love the title. If it makes you healthy by Sherry Cheryl Crow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then this one we we actually did own. I didn't find it particularly useful for anything other than just to kind of humor myself. A treasury of great recipes by Mary and Vincent Price. Vincent Price, of mm-hmm. course, of uh, you know thriller fame. Um, Dolly Salvador Dolly had a cookbook called Les Dinners de Gala. Gala. Something like that. I don't speak French. Um, that's a fantastical book. Well, I'm sure it's all like Escoffier level levels it, of decadence and like, it, or yeah. I should say. It's a wild ride. Like, if, I'm sure it's um, a, a chicken stuffed in yes, a, it's funny a, you and you end up like having something a, like finally stuffed into an ox yes, or something. There, there actually is a recipe from that. It's like a that. nesting doll of like animals. Out of morbid curiosity, I checked that book out from the library just to page through it with no intention of making anything from it because like it's, it's fantastical. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was fun to check that out. So if you have the opportunity... I, I I would say definitely a, a borrow it kind of book, mm-hmm. probably not a buy it kind of book. Um, but yeah, uh, let's let's. Oh wait, hold on, you forgot about Questlove. Oh yeah, potluck. that man. I should have actually mentioned that in my picks because we received that from the publisher, and that that was like a really unique book because mm-hmm. he kind of called in favors to all of his friends and acquaintances, and they all contributed recipes and it had everyone from like Martha Stewart mm-hmm. to like who else was in there wasn't it wasn't Patty LaBelle in there probably yeah I'd have to go back and revisit and then it also had like music to play yeah too. it was a fun book yeah and it it was like appetizers mains but yeah it, it, it was it was a fun book good call I, I totally forgot about that one um all right, Food Between Friends. Um, so this kind of started as a successful blog project between actor Jesse Tyler Ferguson and Julie Tanous. Tanous? Tanis? Well, I just, it rolls off my tongue like Tanis. Okay. Um, we're going with that. Um, I think that's when we first kind of became aware of them and started following them. And, and then it turned into this cookbook project. Um Jesse is from uh, Albuquerque, correct? Mm-hmm. Like New Mexico, so southwestern United States. And then Julie is from Alabama, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And so got that kind of southern and southwestern thing, which is kind of what the recipes I feel... They're both very well reflected yes. in each of their like recipe preferences. Yes. Or presentations. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, Message received. There we go. Um, as the title suggests, the book's focus is on sharing and entertaining, making the recipes perfect for feeding family and friends. There's this dual narrative throughout mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. I mean, I, the the writing and and everything is just that. That's one of the most entertaining parts about this book is just reading uh, their takes on everything. Um, yeah. Any any other thoughts before we? 
jump into the recipes? Um, I just like uh, like uh, this book. You can really like see their friendship and kind of how they are with one another. Yeah. Um, it comes through very clearly yeah. to me. They're BFFs. Yep. Just like you and I. <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh, let's recap what we made. All right. And then we'll talk a little bit in greater detail. About all right. Them. So first, just the just the laundry list. Um, blue cornmeal pancakes with blueberry butter, um, chicken and dumplings, um, molasses and coffee pork chops with wilted radicchio, sopapillas stuffed with pulled chicken in red chili sauce, asparagus and leek galette, spring pea soup, and cherry limeade with vodka. That was a full list. We, sure we made was. a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's always a, a good sign when we, A, had trouble deciding what to make, and then B, ended up choosing about, I think, seven dishes from there. So, uh, let's talk blue meat cornmeal pancakes <laughs> with blueberry butter. It almost sounded like you said blue meat. I, I almost did. <laughs> okay, here's the thing about blueberry pancakes that hold a very very special place in my heart because uh, the morning after the first night that I spent over at Johnny's house, he made me blueberry pancakes. Yep. And you don't remember that, do you? No, I do. Because I I used to, I mean, it wasn't just that isolated to that one instance, but you know. We used to make a lot of breakfast and we used to go out. I was I was basking in the afterglow of... Um, <laughs> it's okay. You, yeah. can, you can say sex. That's true. We're adults. We yeah. have sexy time. We're, we're married. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it's happened once or twice over um, the 20-some years. Sorry, people. Um, <laughs> no one now, wants to think about grandma and grandpa fucking. The, the, now, the recipe calls for blue cornmeal, which... Uh, can I say it? It proved tougher to find than a woman at a Rush concert. Oh, you were waiting to say that. <laughs> oh, my God. But I think we successfully substituted it using uh, these freeze-dried blueberries that were from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. We and just, we just ground them up in a yep. spice grinder. Yep. We used regular cornmeal, uh, regular cornmeal rather than the blue. And then, yep. And but not only did this... Um, give us the color that we were looking for, but it really amplified that blueberry flavor. Added the extra little bit, bit of blueberry. So it was yeah, perfect. And then, can we talk about that companion blueberry butter? Mm-hmm. So there is an entire chapter devoted to compound butters in the book. Um, I think it's like you deserve butter or something. Yeah, and uh, there's a blueberry butter in there that should be in everyone's fridge. And it's, it was delicious. It's made with blueberries and blueberry jam. And then I believe we also put a little bit of those uh, ground up freeze dried blueberries because we had extra. And secret ingredient, ground coriander. Oh, that's right. I forgot was, about the coriander. That was great. And it uh, it it blended really nicely with with the blueberry. It wasn't I mean, overpowering. Upon initial uh, reaction, you might be like, ah, I don't know, but yeah. trust us. It was it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if, if you have leftover pancakes, I mean, that just means you didn't try hard enough. But if you do, <laughs> you can reheat them in the toaster, which is, I was just thinking about this when my nieces came to visit, my little nieces. Mm-hmm. The, the following day after we made pancakes together, we had leftovers 
and uh, we reheated them in the toaster. You toastered them up. Yeah. So there you go. You're welcome. Kitchen <laughs> hack. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else on the pancakes? Um, here's the thing. I love blueberry pancakes. I have, I kind of have a texture thing with like the cornmeal because it's gritty and I can feel it in my teeth. I, I can, I can relate. And I don't like cornbread that much either because of that. Okay. Um, Listeners, in case you're just tuning in, Victoria's a little weird about textural things. I food. am. But they were very tasty. Yeah. It's just a textured thing. Yeah, I get so. it. That, I, can see I mean, that. that's the only thing that I have to say about that. All right. I, I, I'll make you some post, post-coital blueberry <laughs> pancakes. No, at some shut point. up. Sorry. <laughs> you just said coital. You're so gross. <laughs> Ew. Ugh. Oh, now I'm going to go I've, take a shower. I yeah, I just, I've, I'm never getting laid again. <laughs> Ever. All right. Uh, let's talk chicken and dumplings. <laughs> Uh, before we dive into this, okay. Victoria makes a mean chicken and dumplings. Thank you. Yep. And I don't have a fucking recipe. It's just throwing a bunch of shit in a pot and letting it go for a long time. And, well, whatever and, you do, it always turns out great. And then the biscuits show up at the last minute and they're the hero. So not only did this contain the traditional elements like onion, carrot, and peas, but there was like a few oddities in here like sweet potato fennel and broccoli mm-hmm. um so yeah some nice surprising ingredients um we were careful to not overwork the dough as the recipe instructed so our dumplings turned out light and fluffy rather than dense and chewy um yeah yeah it's it's funny because there is um there is a recipe to make those like slippery dumplings and i've figured out that i just don't enjoy that kind of texture Back to the texture. Back, I know yeah. it. It is all about texture. Um, These were great, though. The the uh, seasoning they were nicely seasoned. Mm-hmm. Um, it was lovely and like really chickeny tasting. Yep. That that kind of sounds like an idiot thing to say, but it was really chickeny. Yeah. Um, As it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was super happy eating this. Chicken and dumplings yes. for the win. And it's not something, and it's always such a treat because it really isn't something that I make. Well, I make it like maybe once a year. I mean, it's year. kind of the definition of comfort food. It is. And it's also something I would probably be more likely to crave um, in the autumn or winter. It's so. a very, yeah, for me, it's a very like mood specific yeah, food. Yeah. Like, there is a certain feeling that you want to have when you're eating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we talk molasses and coffee pork chops? Yes. So I, I know we've mentioned this before, but growing up, uh, both of us had kind of similar pork chop experiences where our mothers, bless them, they they kept us fed while working full time. So we, we this is by no means a, a, you know, hating on them or anything. No. But uh, our exposure to pork chops was like, the real thin, dry variety that was kind of like a leather boot that was cooked to within an inch of its life. and Well, I, I think part of it is, too, is that, you know, like, mom would buy the meat at the supermarket and all they have are, like, the really thinly cut, like... Well, especially back in the 70s. In, yeah, bone on, you know, like, with the little bone or whatever yeah. along the side. Um, 
I still remember what a revelation it was when we found like a thick cut bone in Um, pork mm -hmm. chop and uh, you know and then cooked it properly and it was just like mind-blowing it was juicy and oh so delicious and so now you know that's it's definitely in regular rotation at our house and this one gets treated to a marinade of as the title of the recipe suggests molasses and coffee but there's also some garlic brown sugar cumin paprika and ginger in Mm -hmm. there and then well we kind of veered off the recipe a little bit um, because uh, we cooked ours in the sous vide. Yep. And then did the like hard sear at the end. But, per usual. Yeah. But man, that that uh, the marinade was tasty. It was dark and rich and a little bit sweet. And we wilted the radicchio in the same cast iron that we finished off the pork chops in. Yep. And that just gets like... That is super simple. It's a little bit of salt and pepper, a tiny bit of balsamic vinegar. And here's a th- here's another thing that I have issue with, bitter greens. Yes. I mean, there's a whole big family of bitter greens. Some I can take. Like, I don't like frisee raw. If you saute it just for a second, mm-hmm. I can eat it. Radicchio, even when it's cooked, it still is too bitter Still for too me. bitter, huh? Mm-hmm. Because I was going to say the opposite where I I felt like, you know, once you wilt it a little bit, it loses some of that bitterness. And then um, when you combine it with a bite of the pork chop, it's kind of offsets that. Yeah, the, you yeah, have to get the perfect I, bite. I, I get it. You have to get the perfect just, bite. And it, like, yeah, I don't I'm not a big fan of radicchio or like the endives like Belgian or curly or um like I mentioned, frisee too. Yeah, but yeah. We don't we don't use frisee often, and and if a recipe has it, and it would probably likely like, to just pass on nope. it. Nope, hard yeah. pass. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just personal preference, and you know, we're we're guilty of when we're selecting recipes from a book. If we see an ingredient that we're just not fans of, we're probably not going to select that. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, this this is not the first time that we've tried to like something that there's only so many times that you right. can try too. And so, you know, and, we've, and then like why waste your money on something that, you know, you are not going to be happy about eating. Agreed. So, um, let's talk sopapillas. I have never eaten a sopapilla. I had never made one. This is I've, probably my favorite dish from the book. Yeah. It, it, and it was the most uh, labor intensive. It was um, because it required making the, the pulled chicken ahead of time as mm-hmm. well as the red chili sauce. I think it was like a New Mexican red chili sauce. Mm-hmm. And then you also had to make the sopapilla dough and fry those up. Yep. Um, but the recipe was solid. Like even, even this being our first attempt at it, like it was successful and worked out. The sopapilla shells turned out really lovely. Um, the red chili sauce, uh, was, it contained, uh, dried guajillos, um, onion, garlic, tomatoes, um, some other spices, some honey, um, I was concerned it was going to be spicy, but it wasn't. It was really nice and smoky. Yeah. But no, it wasn't too spicy. Um, and then the chicken gets layered with a bunch of um, 
sauteed onions and then the red chili sauce and then that cooks low and slow for a couple hours and the chicken is like tender and juicy and easily shreddable. It would have fallen off the bone if we had used bone-in thighs. Yeah, we used boneless, boneless skinless. But you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, you know, once that's... An, the, the sopapillas, like, once you portion them out, divide them out, what would you say they're probably the size of? You know, they're like these little rectangular... I'd say they're like the size of a deck of cards. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. And then after you... F- that you fry them and they puff up. It's so you, delightful you, how puffy they. We get. just took a kitchen shears <laughs> and just like chopped off the you know one end of it mm-hmm. to open it up, and then you just stuff all your chicken filling. Yep, in I there. I put a little bit of a little bed of like some shredded lettuce at the bottom so that it wouldn't leak through. Well, you know, to remain healthy. Oh yeah, made, made it a healthy. Got to get the salad element. Yeah, here. I'm eat. I'm eating a salad. With, I'm eating healthy. I'm eating a salad with some fried dough, <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, on their own, this dough was great. And then we started thinking of different ideas of like you know what you could do, in both sweet and savory. Yeah, applications. well, the, the book also has a couple other recipes as to like how you can fill these. That's right. And like, oh, it'd be I like I would love to have it with some like delicious vanilla bean ice cream or some wilted spicy, radicchio. No, some oh. spicy chocolate ice cream or. Mm. Yeah, I think when we were brainstorming, the the winner was you know dusting them with a little bit of cinnamon and sugar, and then putting a little vanilla ice cream in there and drizzling with honey. See, I you know I think I'd rather do like chocolate ganache or caramel rather than a honey because okay. I'm not really a honey person. All right, just a personal thing. I I get it. I feel <laughs> you. All right, let's talk asparagus and leek galette. All right. And here is, Galette is basically like a, a, what did he say? Lazy half-ass pie. I love that description. Yeah, because it's it's like. It's totally true. You make your pie crust and it's free form and um, it just gets folded over the edge. You're not messing about trying to get it into a a pie tin after you roll it out. Um, Also, I think in a pinch you could do this and just like have a sheet of puff pastry and put your filling on there and cook it. You know, if yeah. you didn't want to make your No own. one's going to complain. No. No if, one's going to ask to speak to the manager. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't want, or you could just buy a pie. There you go. Just buy a pie crust and do it that way. <laughs> what I love about this too is like you could serve this for dinner, which is how we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But you could do like a brunch thing too. Absolutely. And, and you don't have to use asparagus and leek. I mean, you could toss in whatever ingredients you have on hand. Like tomatoes would be great. Yep. Um, yeah. And the filling was really easy. It was um, just leeks and asparagus uh, sauteed together. However, I made it a little bit more involved for myself because I took I took some of the asparagus tips and I blanched them so that I could put them in the center and so that they would stay nice and green because when you saute the asparagus with the um, leeks it tends to go a little bit olive green which is not super appetizing the things we do for Instagram yes so I just like wanted to get that like nice little punch of green in there and there was some creme fraiche there yep feta. yep there's a base of it's uh Creme fraiche, feta, lemon zest, and a little bit of tarragon. So that goes as the base, and then you put your veg on it. And then you fold it up, bake it, whack it in the oven, and... The the presentation is described as rustic. 
Which means sloppy and yep. lazy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a polite way of saying sloppy. <laughs> that looks that looks rustic. I love it. <laughs> no, this is great. And uh, yeah, I mean, nothing more to say on that. Lazy ass, lazy half ass pie. There we go. Um, should we talk spring pea soup? Sure. So this dish nearly killed our beloved Vitamix. But that was my fault, though. Yeah? It was my fault because so. I because I threw some of those... Uh, the pea tendrils in there. Oh, they got like all tangled up, <laughs> gummed up the works. Yes. Oh. So it was my fault. I th- I think if I hadn't thrown the pea tendrils in there, it was just like a small little, like just a small little pinch. But those things just, man, wrapped up around the, the blade and it wasn't moving. And it it it, it seized up. <laughs> so we had to reach for our uh, backup blender. Everyone has one of those, right? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. No, we have a we have a wearing bar blender that we we considered getting rid of when we were trying to like downsize and get rid of stuff and I'm glad we haven't because it's it's come in handy a few times. Well, our Vitamix keeps like um it keeps like for breaking. for something that for a piece of equipment that's kind of pricey, it sure does give us headaches from time to time he's had to repair it like two or three times i just repaired it again i just installed a new blade and and like gear assembly thing and it seems to work great now but man anyway so yes if you happen to buy a vitamix and you have a blender before that i would hold on to your first blender and you need it repaired don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not offering services. Is it easier than repairing the uh, KitchenAid? It though? was. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, we saved dinner. There was a companion dill cream that goes with this soup, which was lovely. Had uh, some garlic and fresh lime juice. And uh, it called for sour cream, but we usually use Greek yogurt mm-hmm. when recipes uh, uh, mention that. Um, and then there was a few fresh pea pods and pea shoots atop, which the whole, made for a lovely photo. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just tastes, I mean, if in one word, it tasted like green and fresh. And it was it was just like a really lovely spring summertime soup. And thankfully, our Vitamix just needed a little rest. Got yeah. a little tired. <laughs> yeah. We just let it rest. It fired <laughs> up later on that day, and it's been fine since, so. And then, uh, per usual, uh, if a cookbook has some cocktail recipes in it, we'll usually try and find one and try one. And uh, we did the cherry limeade with vodka. Mm-hmm. This was great. It was it was a little bit sweet for me. Yeah. Um, and I believe we use like Morello cherries instead of uh, maraschino because the recipe calls are. You know what? We actually used a combination of the two of them. I don't remember. Yeah, because we had some, we had a smaller thing of Morello cherries, and then we also had the last of some maraschino ch- cherries. I do know that we had everything on hand mm-hmm. to make this drink, which would, you know, maybe cause some people to want to form an intervention or something. But hey, I think well, we're just well prepared. We are. And uh, it was great. Although, I mean, you don't really need a lot to make this it's vodka and and simple syrup and cherries and you you brought up an interesting point like this is a little bit on the sweet side 
this is not probably something I would suggest drinking a lot of, like throughout the night. Oh, you're gonna, is, you'll get the worst sugar hangover. Yeah, this is probably a good like pre-dinner cocktail mm-hmm. just to kind of ease into the evening before you switch to something else. I I would not <laughs> recommend like making this your drink of choice for no. the entire evening, unless you enjoy waking up with a pounding headache. Not me. No. All right. No, thanks. All right, so let's talk about some of the reviews. Yeah, so before we jump into our review of this book, uh, I jumped on Amazon and found some critical reviews, and uh, there was a couple of them, and I, I, I found them both equally amusing. So you want, right. you want to start with this one? Sure. So Cheryl Kuhn said, two out of five stars. Not what I expected and nothing I will make. Just got in from perusing. There's nothing that I feel compelled to make. Recipes have at least 20 ingredients. Oh, Cheryl. (laughs) Not what I expected and particularly for the price. Not worth it. And I may return it. We should should contact her. Did you return the book? Right. Cheryl. You should Um, have given it a fair shake. It's great. Lady Lynn gave it three out of five stars and her response was, I think Amazon deleted my first review because I used the name of a spice that starts with a C and ends with human. (laughs) That rhymes with human and actually has nothing to do with the other word that rhymes with hum. Ah, I see what she she did there. Anyway, if you're not a devoted fan of the aforementioned spice, this book is probably not for you. Seriously, almost every recipe had that spice and or canned chilies, and it gets boring really quickly. It's a good spice, but in my opinion, it definitely doesn't belong in all things. Uh, I also found a lot of the flavor combinations off-putting instead of clever. That said, I did appreciate that the recipes managed to find a nice midway point between super fancy and super simple, and they seem like they'd make great meals to serve to friends. Assuming that your friends like spice, that shall not be named. So I guess they succeeded at their goal. I like how she was very, how she ended up being very silver lining in her negative review. Of kind it. of. Although I'd say it's more of a neutral review. It's Yeah. Three out of five. I That's guess not I don't horrible. recall there being cumin and everything. No. But, but uh, I mean, a lot of Jesse's uh, recipes did have chilies. I mean, but that's like from where he grew up. Yeah. I mean, you know? these recipes are definitely reflect like their point of view, their mm-hmm. upbringing. And so if you're not a fan of, of in particular, like Southern or Southwestern food, um, be forewarned. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's in this book. All right. Um, Let's move on to our rankings, starting with food photography and styling. I gave this one a 4.5. Okay. Um, Just short of perfect. I know. The food photos are like really light and airy. Um, The hues are like blues, grays, pinks, faded reds. Ava Um, Kolinko is the photographer. Shout out to her. She's got a great Instagram page, so look uh, it up. Yeah. Yeah. but one of the funny things that I noticed is that when you get to the drink photos, it looks like someone switched on like a 70s filter. And I don't know if you noticed that, but... Well, this is something that applies more to design and layout, but I definitely felt like the book overall had a little bit of a nod to like retro mm-hmm. inspired, mm-hmm. you know, 70s, just by the use of like the font... 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so um, good observation. Yeah. Let's see. There was a huge amount of food styling yes. on this. <laughs> um, a lot of the setups were very complex. You'd have like three plates of food. Mm-hmm. And it, so it was very very busy yes and but uh yeah um lots of props yeah i said lots of business yes <laughs> um uh, and th- there were candid photos mm-hmm. which i really liked so i thought the f- photography in this book was really gorgeous yeah um and fun i gave it a five okay uh very stylized the colors were saturated clever use of shadows and light like a lot of the photos had these gorgeous shadows and I'm a sucker for that anytime mm-hmm. I see it in food photography. Uh, as you mentioned, lots of photos of Julie and Jesse plus their family. Um, often the photos are presented with a larger platter or serving bowl of food plus individual servings on smaller plates and bowls with flatware. So it kind of depicts feeding a group of people mm-hmm. in keeping with the theme of the book. Um, great props, mm-hmm. lots of great props. Um, and while I doubt that Jesse and Julie sit around often chucking corn together, it's a fun photo <laughs> in the book, but there's lots of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where they're just, you know, apparently hanging out, cooking together, preparing meals. Well, I mean, and I, yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, design and layout. Would you give it? I give it a five. Really? Yeah. Um, I really like the dual narrative in okay. the head notes yeah. and, and they're color coordinated by the author. So I, I think Julie's was pink and mm-hmm. Jesse's was like green or blue. And then they have this great font that they use for the recipe titles as well as the page numbers. Um, and while the book has a fresh modern feel, it at the same time gives like a tip of the cap to like a retro design. So it's got a bit of a seventies nostalgic feel to it. Um, scattered throughout are random odes to things that each author loves. So like Jesse's got a little page about sopapillas. Julie has one about biscuits and about sorghum, mm-hmm. which I am unfamiliar with. It's, a, a, it's a very, thing. it's a very Southern thing. Um, then the chapter titles are things like Gone Fishing, Serve With, which is like side dishes, mm-hmm. uh, Starters, Drinks and Dranks. <laughs> <laughs> and then I really love that you deserve butter. I, I love that they devoted an entire chapter to different compound butters. Um, and then I don't know if you mentioned noticed this, but in the acknowledgments section, they had a little subsection called To All the Chefs We've Loved Before. Mm-hmm. And it kind of acknowledges their favorite chefs, including their mothers as like influences for the book. Mm -hmm. So they kind of name check Rick Bayless, Jose Andres, Carla Hall, Roy Choi, Sean Brock, Edna Lewis, and, and gives a little shout out to these people for being inspirations. And, and, and I think it adds a little bit of like legitimacy to the book. So it's not just this like vanity project and like, they're slapping their name on a cookbook yeah. with recipes that, you know, someone else developed or something. Mm-hmm. Like you can really tell that they have this passion for for cooking and 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 uh it, you know, just from that little section, the fact that they even considered that, I thought was really great. 
What'd you give it? I gave it a three. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, I really, I appreciate the dual narrative. I don't feel like the 70s vibe is as heavy as you feel it. Uh, I mean, I get a little bit of that. Here's, here's my issue is it felt a little bit chaotic to me. Like some of the page layouts were really. I could see that. Weird. Like, um, you know, you'd have like. There'd be a photo, like a big flat lay, and then you'd have several pages of recipes, like three pages of recipes all jammed together. But they would also have another thing with the recipes is, you know how sometimes in recipes there is a supplemental recipe, like you're making a salad and it calls for like rye croutons. Um, the supplement... I don't know if I'm describing this very well, but so say you have a recipe and you have the method and that carries over to a second page and mm -hmm. it stops at the middle of the page. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to like supplemental recipes and maybe this is just something in my head that I have a problem with. Like there will be a separate section for like turn to page 23 for the rye croutons but this would be just below it okay below you know like below the um f method of cooking for the whole recipe i feel like so they did like both. jammed up i feel like they did both because for the sopapillas there was a separate section that instructed you how to make the pulled chicken well there were three different different um filling options for those right and they okay. were you know so all right but i don't know to me some of the page layouts felt really um chaotic and also i love the photos but there were a ton of them jam-packed into that book yes i think there could have been a few less photos well maybe the selfie things too but you know i get that that's kind of the theme of the book is yeah. to kind of celebrate their friendship. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, it's packed full of these candid, I, I selfies the wrong word because they yeah. didn't take them themselves, but like, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can see your point. I, I really liked the, the design and layout. I thought there was some clever, uh, things that they included in the, in the book as part of the design. Okay. And so, Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um, degree of difficulty. What did you give it? I gave it a two. Mm -hmm. I think this book is quite suitable for any home cook, experienced or not. You need only to possess the most basic of skills to successfully ex execute most of the recipes. Mm -hmm. The sopapillas were probably the most involved thing that we made. Um, I don't think we tackled any of the like baking things, but, but I felt like they made really great efforts to simplify and clearly explain all of the techniques. I know there was like a whole section dev devoted to like the perfect pie crust. Yes. And and so I think they were well aware that anything that might be a little bit more challenging, they tried to take the fear out of it. Take special care and explain it. Yes. I agree with you pretty much on every point you said. I also gave it a two. Awesome. There were no difficult cooking methods. Um, yeah, some of the dishes had several different components mm -hmm. um, or they were a little bit more time consuming, but nothing 
there would nothing I like there is nothing that I would look at this in this book at and be like oh yeah no that's just a bridge too far for me it's too difficult I think they knew their target demographic mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they really focused in on that and and they were successful in 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 their objective yes so uh and then taste I was going to give it a four, but I'm giving it a five because I really did texture issue. My own texture issues aside, I thought the recipes were really, really spot on in terms of like seasoning and stuff. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of tweaking or like, or like we really don't eat, you know, it's just, I enjoyed everything that we ate agreed i gave it a five as well all right i loved everything from the book the fact that we're adding this to our permanent collection kind of tells you how much we enjoyed it mm-hmm. and, and that we plan to you know at, at least revisit it from time to time especially that sopapilla recipe yes um so yeah no complaints me either all right guys if you enjoyed the show please rank and review it um you can follow us on social media our instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books and our facebook is at we cook books all right you know what time it is ha ha time it's gut busting time let's do it make me laugh (laughs) all right did you hear about that pasta chef that got locked out of his house he came home from work with gnocchi (laughs) right all right. That's a good one. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Stay hungry. Sure. <laughs> Bye.